in the game. Yeah! Ian Begley, ESPN New York. My man, how you doing? Randy, what's happening, bro? How are you? Doing good, man. Can't complain. Uh, we're in the uh, conference finals time and um, trying to see who's going to go to the NBA finals between Cleveland, Boston, Houston, and the Warriors. Um, we had the NBA draft lottery last night. You've been doing some work during the playoffs outside of the Knicks, doing some, some 76er games. So you've been you know, keeping yourself occupied, Ian. Yes, sir. It's a busy time, but a good time uh, for the league and for people involved in it. And uh, I know Nick fans have had a lot to talk about lately. So Exactly. Yeah, good time. Good time of year for the NBA calendar. You can follow Ian Begley on Twitter at Ian Begley, which he has now verified finally. So, you know, give it up for him. Finally, Ian Begley <laughs> verified on Twitter, doing great work for ESPNNewYork.com uh, and um, again, last night, draft lottery, a lot of Knicks fans were just hoping and praying that they would get a top three pick, even though you told me the odds of that happening were like 1-2%, and 81% had them at number nine, and that's exactly what happened. The Knicks will pick ninth in next month's NBA draft, um, but again, you know, they get number nine, but that's what you kind of expected for a while, right, Ian? Yeah, you know, based on the odds, that's that was the most likely outcome. Maybe they were going to get lucky. Maybe they were going to jump top three. Uh, maybe they would be unlucky. Maybe they would fall back to 10 or 11. That didn't happen. So they stayed at nine. It's where they thought they were going to be based on how they ended the season. And Scott Perry has said, man, he's confident that the Knicks are going to find a good player no matter where they ended up in the draft. He said he's confident in his scouting department that they'll find the right fit for them. So, all that being said, uh, I think the Knicks will end up probably taking the best player available at nine, regardless of position. That's what Scott has been pretty consistent in saying. And it's going to be interesting to see if a point guard ends up being the best player available at that nine spot, because if you take a point guard, then, you know, it's just, it just, you wonder how that impacts the future of Frank Nelikina, of Trey Burke. Or Emmanuel Moutier. So, you know, a lot of a lot of different permutations uh, with the Knicks in this draft, and it's going to be fascinating to see how they approach it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, uh, you did bounce around a little bit, so let, let, let me go back real quick. Um, Scott Perry did say he, he the draft mindset is to draft the best player available at number nine, or do you think that, you know, now at number nine, is it also part where – they want to draft someone who can be the best complement for Porzingis when he comes back from the injury. I think the Porzingis piece will definitely be a part of it. That has to be a part of your thinking, uh, regardless of where you are in franchise building. But Perry, you know, he said for months now that the Knicks are in talent acquisition mode. So that means they're going to try to get the most talent as they can, and, and regardless of position, and just see what they can do with that talent, whether it means making a trade if they have a surplus at a certain position uh, and turning that into an asset, or whether it means a reclamation project and trying to uh, develop a player where maybe he had fallen short of expectations in his previous spot, like an Emmanuel Moutier. So I think that the Porzingis piece will definitely be a part of it, but I still think, you know, let's say, for example, the Knicks see that a big man is, is the best player available at nine, whether it's a center 
or power forward. Yes, you have Chris Porzingis at power forward and, and at center, but I think you still take that player because you say to yourself, listen, even if he's not a part of our, uh, even if he doesn't end up being a player for us for 10 years and a, a starter and a, a franchise player, he could still be an asset for us to, to either make a trade or to, you know, you know, there's just another, there, a number of different avenues the Knicks can go mm-hmm. with the players that they acquire. It's not necessarily, okay, Porzingis is power forward, so we're definitely not going to draft a power forward. I don't think that's where they are at this point. Right. Um, you did put out a tweet, I think, yesterday or the day before that, you know, Knicks fans, when it comes to the lottery, it's, it's a lot of bad luck. You know, they've been in 15 lotteries. Um, they only moved up one time in 85 to get uh, number one for, uh, with Ewing. They traded seven of those picks pre or post lottery. Um, and then we've seen, you know, I think they had number eight last year. They picked uh, Frank Nilakina. And then everybody says, oh, we could have had Donovan Mitchell, but there's no telling how good Mitchell would you know, would have been even if the, uh, New York took him at eight. Um, should, the, should the fans uh, of the Knicks have faith in New York now to draft someone good and impactful at number nine? So it's a great question, Randy, and I don't think anybody knows the answer because this is a new group, right? This is not the Phil Jackson group that, you know, didn't really do well in, in other areas of team building, but did pretty well in the draft. They got Porzingis. They got Billy Hernan Gomez. They got Frank Nilekino, who, to me, in my mind, still has the potential to be a good rotation player, if not a starter in this league. So I think, you know, you could kill Phil for a lot of things, but I think he did well, relatively speaking, in the draft. But this is a new regime. This is Scott Perry. This is different front office personnel. This is Steve Mills running the show. Uh, for the first time heading into an NBA draft. So it's unknown. It, you know, if you have blind faith, sure, you can trust that they're going to do a good job, but there's no track record here, right, to, to really know how they'll operate and how they'll perform in their player evaluation and on draft night. So uh, it's totally up in the air, and it's gonna, that's one of the reasons why it's interesting to see how this thing plays out going forward. If I threw out the hypothetical of if you're, if you're a fan, and let's say – Knicks have nine now, but let's say they got top three last night. Um, uh, just knowing their draft history, what would worry you more? The Knicks picking at number nine or Knicks actually having a top three pick? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question, man. And I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Been how this thing has been mismanaged for so many years as mm-hmm. a franchise, I mean, uh, and how many you know bad decisions have been made you know, over the course of the last 18 years or so. I totally get it. Uh, but I think I'll, I'll fall back on the same answer that I said to the last question. We don't know how this front office and this management team is going to perform. So I think it's a little bit unfair to kind of hang past mistakes on this group. So given that, given that this is, you know, a quote-unquote fresh start for this front office, I think obviously you take that top three pick and you take your chances there. Mm. Uh, yeah, you, you, you would love to be in that real estate and you would love to have the chance to land one of the top players in this draft, whether it's a Eaton or a Bagley or a Doncic. You know, those those players, they seem like they can change, they have the potential to change franchises. So I think if you're Scott Perry or Steve Mills, you would have loved to have been up there uh, after last night's events. And, you know, honestly, Ian, I, I think there is a lot of talent out there in this draft that even if you get even with you having the, the the ninth pick 
you can still get someone pretty good and pretty decent at, at that spot. Uh, you, you you already mentioned Aiton, uh, Marvin Bagley, Mikael Bridges, Miles Bridges, Trey Young, uh, Wendell Carter, uh, Sexton, Michael Porter Jr. Just some guys that may not be around at number nine, but those are, those are the potential guys you could get if they fall that that um, that far. Uh, you already mentioned they should not get a power forward, but what what position do you feel like the Knicks should be targeting? There's like a you know plan A, plan B. Uh, what position should they be targeting on draft night? My thing is you have to get an athletic wing if they're there. That to me is the most glaring need for this team right now. You look at the the three position and and you want a player if you can find one there that can knock down an outside shot and space the floor. Uh, in an ideal world, can create his own shot off the dribble, but most importantly can defend and can defend on the perimeter. And the player I just described, those guys are, are hard to come by. Uh, they're not easy to find in this league, particularly in the draft when some of these kids are young and it's unknown exactly. It's hard to project what they're going to be down the road. But I, in my mind, listen, I, I would be lying to you if I said I, I studied college basketball intently during the season because I just don't have time. But based on what I know and, and what I've read, I think Mikael Bridges would be a pretty good prospect for the Knicks mm. at that spot. He's probably going to be available at nine. He's a guy who, based on what Scouts saw it. Villanova could fit that paradigm of a guy who can defend and a guy who should be able to knock down his own open three uh, in time. So to me, that's that's the biggest need, and, and that's where the Knicks, I think, will end up uh, selecting, trying to fill that void in the draft at number nine. From 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 what I've been able to see, you know, online social media, that a lot of fans they they feel like the um, Mikael Bridges, people like him, Wendell Carter. Maybe Sexton um, is the best uh, or likely fit for New York or the, the guys who might be around at number nine. You're saying the three-man. I've been saying the three-man for, for a while. Even a, 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 a an attack-the-basket attack kind of point guard, which the Knicks, the Knicks have not had in a while since since, uh, since Marbury. Um, who do you think is the best fit for New York? Um, and then also, you, you, you also mentioned that the likelihood of Michael Porter falling in their laps for New York, uh, they will be thrilled to, to see him around. Um, if it's Porter, Carter, Mikhail Bridges, Miles Bridges, who do you think is the best fit for what New York is trying to put on the floor right now? That's a good question, Randy. And, uh, you know, I, I'll be 100% honest. I haven't, I don't want to, I can't answer that question today mm. because I just, I simply haven't, I, I would be lying to you if I said I had, if I, I had done a ton of research and done my homework and kind of been able to have an informed opinion on that, because uh, Porter Jr., to me, just, you know, having a, a, a basic knowledge of everything of the kid coming into school and where he is now, to me, he has the biggest upside. Uh, but the risk is that injury. And I don't, I don't know if anybody knows um, how he'll come back and how well, how well he'll play and how close he'll be to the players he was once he does come back. But to me, if, he, if, if the, he's there and the Knicks believe that he's going to be healthy and the back issues won't be a problem for him going forward, you have to take him because of you know, the promise that he showed when he was healthy and the way that NBA scouts and executives were kind of salivating him before, over him before he got hurt. In my mind, I just, again, based on a peripheral knowledge of, of these college guys, I would think that he'd be the guy if he was there. Um, for me, I, I, I would assume the Knicks would, would, would keep this pick. 
Um, but again, knowing the Knicks and their track record, um, is there a small likelihood or a large likelihood that the Knicks could trade off this pick? You know, I never rule that stuff out, uh, you know, because so much gets discussed and bandied about by teams, uh, different executives have conversations about trading up, trading down. And I don't think Scott Perry, if you were talking to him and you asked him the question, I don't think he would rule it out. I think he'd tell you that if there was a scenario that we felt could benefit uh, our franchise, we would trade the pick, if whether we're trading up or trading down. So uh, I, I do think, though, that regardless of whether they trade it or they keep it, they'll be looking to acquire a young player via this pick, whether it's a trade or keeping the pick. So I don't think they're going to be using this pick to trade for a veteran because I think they understand where they are in the team-building process. They understand that they need to establish a good good core of young players around Kristaps Porzingis to be attractive to free agents. So whether they keep the pick, whether they trade it, I think the end result will be the acquisition of, of a young uh, player, uh, whether it's an established NBA a player already in the NBA or a player coming out of college. Uh, sidebar, um, I mean, you know, you can help me out with this, but right now, who is on? Who is locked in to be on the roster next uh, next season? Uh, so I can tell you who isn't. Uh, <laughs> okay. Michael Beasley <laughs> is not. Uh, Jared mm. Jack is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle O'Quinn has a player option. Mm. Ennis Cantor has a player option. Ron Baker has a player option, who mm. and we all expect that to be uh, exercised. And right. I think he probably already exercised it. Uh, so those are the, the guys who are free. Also, you know the, the two way the guys on the two way contract: Luke Cornett, Isaiah Hicks. They uh, can be made restricted free agents if uh, if the Knicks choose to do that, which it seems like that would be a logical uh, decision for them. And unless I miss somebody, and there's a chance that I might have, but unless I miss somebody, I think that's everybody. I think everyone else is under contract. Troy Williams is on a, a non-guarantee for next year. Mm. Trey Burke is on a non-guarantee for next year. Yeah, everyone else, I believe, is under contract for the next Okay, um, I asked that because, you know, um, with Knicks being number nine and trying to figure out what position they, they're going to get, I, 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 I've been mentioning a point guard and, and, and a, a small forward. Um, but kind of backtrack everything, Knicks had, the Knicks had the eighth pick back in 09, and they, they were in line, I think they were in line to get Steph Curry, Golden State at number seven comes in and takes him. Um and then we take Jordan Hill, but that, that's a whole different story. And um, if they if they want the next Steph Curry, and people keep saying Trey Young is likelihood to be, you know, the next Steph Curry because of his attributes and traits, um, then then you would take him on your roster. Um, do the Knicks take? Do you think it's a good idea for New York to to take Trey Young in, if available at number nine? And if so, what does that mean for Frank and 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 Moutier? So, uh, it's, yeah, I think it goes back to that, that first question regarding a, a backcourt player. If you do select a guard, you're probably going to select a guard who has the ball in his hands a lot and who can create for you because you have Tim Hardaway Jr. as shooting guard. So if you take a Trey Young, you know, Scott Perry said it last night, they would t- haven't ruled out taking a point guard, but that point guard would have to be a player that 
is head and shoulders above the guards on their roster, meaning Moutier, Milikina, and, and Trey Burke. So, you know, some people see Trey Young as a guy who might be off the ball. Some people see him as a guy who's on the ball. Uh, it kind of depends on the prism through which you view Trey Young. If, you, if the Knicks took him and see him as a guy who's their point guard, who's the ball handler, you know, that doesn't bode well for Frank Milikina, and it doesn't bode well for... Uh, Emmanuel Moutier. I, mean, I think it's different for Trey Burke because maybe Burke is a guy they could project as a guy coming off the bench. But, you know, for Anil Aquina, like, this is Steve Mills, Scott Perry did not draft him. Bill Jackson drafted him. So if they draft, if they draft a point guard this in late June and they already traded for a point guard in Emmanuel Moutier, you know, it, it doesn't paint the picture of a front office that's fully supportive of Frank Nilakina or fully confident mm-hmm. in Frank Nilakina. So that's just something to obviously keep an eye on as things go forward here. And if, if the Knicks take a guy like Trey Young, to me that's a red flag for how they feel about Frank Nilakina. Mm. Uh I mean, you're right. I, I think, you know, all in all, I think it will be very interesting leading up to draft night of which direction they're going to go into, a point guard, a, a, a three-man, keeping the pick, trying to trade up. You, you know, you never know on draft night. But I think – you know, I think Nick fans should should feel kind of confident and have faith in this new regime, um, and, and I'm hoping that they they do uh, things differently than the previous regime with Phil Jackson. Um, before going to Fisdale, um, does in your honest opinion, does KP play at all next year or wait it out to the following year, or does that kind of wait until until they see how the Knicks are playing next season? So I think that. Uh I think the best case scenario for the Knicks and Porzingis is to have him play, you know, maybe a month or a month and a half, two months uh, late in the season to have him get ready for the year, or not get ready for the next year, but just to allow him to be confident that he is can get back on the court and can play in a live NBA game heading into uh, the next season, which would be 1920. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if that if uh, Porzingis sat out the entire season because the Knicks, I think, are going to be very are not going to be good next year. They're not going to be in playoff contention, and I think even if they were, there's no need to rush Kristaps Porzingis back to the court. There's no need for that. Uh, there's no need for him to uh, skip any steps in his rehab or or to get back on the court before he and the organization are fully comfortable that he can uh, he can do that without uh, incident. So. I don't think there's there. Uh, I think there's value in him returning for the last month, two months of the season, even if the Knicks are out of it, just for him to cross that threshold. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if he sat out the whole year. We're chatting with Ian Begley from ESPNNewYork.com. He's on Twitter at Ian Begley. Um, also, with you know, in the land of New York Knicks, they did hire David David Fisdale to be the new head coach of the New York Knicks, and um. They did hire quite a few guys. Uh, you know, Mark Jackson, David Blatt, Jawan Howard got an interview, Jerry Stackhouse, you know, and the list goes on and on. Um, do you think this this was the most logical choice for the Knicks at this time to, to hire Fisdale? I do. I mean, I think the best guy out there was Mike Budenholzer. Uh, so the Knicks could have gotten him, and I think they could have. I think that would have been a great hire. Mm. But the idea that they ended up with Fisdale. Uh, I think he's a solid hire. I think 
you know, based on what he did in Miami and what he did in Memphis, I think, you know, you could feel good about what he can do going forward in New York. The red flag, obviously, is how he, how his relationship played out with Marcus Sewell. And uh, that, is, that is an issue that he addressed a lot the last couple of days. He talked about how, you know, it was his responsibility that they didn't really get along well, didn't connect, and that he's learned from that. So if he has learned from that, then and he can apply that to the Knicks and to the players on the Knicks, then he should be able to connect well with them. Um, but if not, if, if those same issues that caused Fisdale and Gasol not to see eye to eye emerge in his relationship with the Knicks, then that's a, that's a problem. That's a red flag because that was Fisdale's undoing in Memphis. But let's, let's assume that he has learned from it and things are going to be He's going to apply those lessons that he learned with the Knicks. And I think Fisdale is a strong hire because he's a guy who is known as uh, having the ability to develop young players. And he's known as a guy who has good relation, has a good relationship with people uh, around the league. So uh, if, if that all plays out the way that the management thinks it, it is, he'll be able to develop a young core that'll attract free agents and they'll be able to help attract those free agents once the Knicks are in position to get them. So, uh, so I do think it was a, it's a pretty good hire. Right. And, and also it's been no secret that the Knicks have, have had a coaching carousel, uh, for the last, I would say what is it, 17 years where going back to 2001, they've had 10, uh, head coaches. Now, if I ask you without any paper in front of you or whatever, you would know the 10 head coaches that the Knicks have had in the last 15 years, right? Uh, nah, I don't think I can get all 10 without uh, a piece of paper in front of me. Well, Don Chaney, Herb Williams, Lenny Wilkins, Larry Brown, Isaiah Thomas, Mike D'Antoni, Mike Woodson, Derek Fisher, Kurt Rambis, Jeff Hornacek, and now David Fisdale. My goodness. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> And crazy, crazy, crazy. If you look at it, one, two, three, four, five, you, you, you could say when Melo was here, Melo had five head coaches in, in, in his five, six-year run. That's crazy. Yeah, and this will be number four for Porzingis. Oh, man, amazing. Um, So now with Fisdale being on board, uh, you know, why or how Fisdale, you know, will be different and, and, not, and not another coach that we got to worry about of their job security in like two years' time? Well, it seems like everybody's on the same page now. Um, Mills, Perry, and Fisdale seem today like they are on the same page that they are in lockstep uh, regarding the direction of the franchise. I don't think that's that was the case for the Knicks for a while now, whether it was Phil Jackson and Derek Fisher, Phil Jackson, Steve Mills, and Jeff Hornacek. Uh, I think Mike Woodson and Glenn Grunwald uh, were on the same page, but then Jim Dolan wanted to, for some reason, make a change and get rid of Grunwald. So there's always been uh, like a non-alignment between ownership, the executive office, and the coaching staff. Now Steve Mills is saying that Jim Dolan is on board with them taking a patient approach in their rebuild. And if that's the case, and if he's going to be the one's going to be hands off, and if Mills, Perry, and Fisdale can remain aligned and on the same page in their vision, I think that's the reason why this thing could be different for the Knicks than past regimes. Obviously, everything looks good on day one, and 
diversity yet, so we'll see how they react when those situations occur. Mm-hmm. But if they do remain on the same page, I think that's one reason to believe that Fizdale won't be a guy who's fired after a year and a half or two years um, for whatever reason, as we've seen uh, past coaches uh, be let go that quickly. Uh, two more before I let you go, Ian. Um, has there any been names or has it been names out there that could be in, in consideration to fill out uh, David Fisdale's staff for assistant coaches? Like Keith Smart is a guy to keep an eye on. Um, thought Nick Van Exel would be a guy who was going to come over, but he has denied that on Twitter, which is strange to me that a Assistant coach would take to Twitter replying to a Knicks fan's question, uh, talking about his, his job status. But neither here nor there. He's denied it. Uh, Mike Woodson, I'm not so sure of. Uh, you know, his situation changed recently. Uh, he, was, he was let go by the Clippers, so he's no longer there. He's a free agent. Uh, so maybe that opens the door for him to come to Fisdale staff. I don't, I don't think there was anything solid there. Uh, one way or the other prior to Woody leaving the Clippers, but maybe that changes things. Um, so those are the those are the, the names right now that, that I would focus on if I was a Nick fan trying to think about where David Fisdale was going with his staff. Uh, and we'll see how things progress. I think mm-hmm. in a perfect world, he would have had the staff together already going into these uh, meetings and workouts with draftee, potential draftees. So I would assume that he wants to get that together uh, as soon as possible. Right. And the last one uh, I do have for you, Ian, is, um, you, you know, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Fisdale was doing, doing the press conference and, you know, was on other shows to talk about, you know, paraphrasing how like, he wants New York to be the, the, the destination where free agents can come there, uh, at least give them, you know, a second, third look, you know, having the garden be the place where, you know, opposing teams would have to fear going into the going into the garden to play the Knicks, and kind of revitalizing how they used to play it back in the day. Um, he's there. The guy Porzingis. You know, we'll see what they do with the ninth pick. But you know, how still, how long do you think it'll take for you know free agents to really, really highly consider the Knicks to be um, their new team going forward? The Knicks have to show that they have. Uh, a good young core in place, whether it's around Christoph Porzingis or not, they have to show that they have young players who are on the cusp of making some noise in the Eastern Conference. They have to show that they've put the the crazy drama of off-the-court issues that have plagued them um, over the last 15, 20 years in the rearview mirror. They have to show that they have built a a strong foundation organizationally uh, and a winning culture And I think if they can do that, then you couple that with the idea that everybody, every player wants to live in New York and and be in New York in the first place. You couple that with the idea that the Knicks are then looking like a stable organization with a good young core, then I think the free agents will come. I don't think it's going to happen this summer. It may not happen next summer because potential uncertainty surrounding Porzingis' health. But... um, but I, but I think if they can put those things in place, they then become a free agent destination. And I'll say this too: um, the Knicks have talked about you know potentially seeing being uh, heavy players in 2019 in free agency. I don't think they should be looking to sign a guy a long t- to a long term contract who's going to be in his mid 30s at the end of that contract 
in the summer of 2019. I think it's too soon. There's no need to jump into what could be like a bad contract at the end of it in 2019 because you're not clo- you're not going to be close to contending then. Um, so in my mind, patience. Patient approach is better. Wait it out. Look for a summer of 2020, summer of 2021 to really make noise when you have that good young core together. So what you're saying is 0% chance we can land LeBron James, right? (laughs) Uh, 0.0. Damn. That's the one free agent I wanted for, for, for a very long time, but... You know, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see where he goes, and you know, what, uh, you know, if he stays or goes somewhere. I think that'll change the landscape of the Eastern Conference, regardless of, of, of what happens. But um, should be a very interesting uh, month or so, summertime, the draft, uh, summer league coming up, also July first, where free agents can sign wherever they want to go, and just hope that the Knicks just don't mess things up with their draft pick with their potential free agent signings going forward so um i think there's a lot of positivity going forward with the ninth pick david fisdale being being the new head coach and just hoping that they can bring some sort of positive playoff basketball soon to to the garden man yeah it's going to be definitely an interesting few weeks and months for this group a uh, big test for the front office. I'll say about uh, LeBron, maybe they get a, a meeting because David Fisdale is here. True. And, and they have a good relationship, but I don't I don't think there's any way he's going to sign with the Knicks. But there are other, peop- mm-hmm. other players out there, there are other big decisions to be made that don't have to do with LeBron that the Knicks have to get right to push this thing forward. Can you believe it's been five years already since the Knicks made the playoffs? Five years already? Yeah, I can, bro. I've been living it, so uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't tell you exactly how long it's been. Uh, but it's crazy that, you know, back in 2012, 2013, they win 54 games. They win a playoff series. Amazing. Uh, and then here we are. No playoffs since then. Ah, oh, man. Uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully we'll, we, we, they'll be turned around, man. Ian Begley, ESPNNewYork.com, at Ian Begley on Twitter. Um, always a pleasure, man. Thank you. Likewise, Randy. Appreciate it, man. All right, man. Take it easy.